want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing a longtime friend, rival friendly fraternity mate, coming straight from Greenpoint, Williamsburg area. We are going to talk about Pups Pet Care, and we're going to talk about the O in Halo Outdoors, now includes the pet care industry. Dan Rubenstein, welcome finally to the show. Thanks, Pete. Awesome. So we go back, uh, harking back only to 1990. Uh, Dan and I have had some very uh, interesting uh, circular and parallel paths through our entrepreneurial ways. Uh, We're excited to be talking and working with Dan now on the growth of Pups. So, Dan, start off wherever you would like to start. Oh, man, Pete and I are are friends from way back. Uh, We attended Emory University together, went to business school together. Uh, We were uh, leaders of uh, rival fraternities. We were probably the friendliest guys in our two fraternities. Uh, Most of the guys in our houses probably didn't uh, like each other, but you and I uh, liked each other. So that might have set uh, uh, a precedent. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a very very solid political framework to to, to work with, I'd say, back in the day. Definitely. Um, And then, you know, we both graduated um, and went on to work at top firms and and I think, uh, you know, had the entrepreneurial bug. I didn't realize that it was going to be pet care for me, but I had something happen in my life that that kind of inspired me to to get into pet care. And and, uh, you know, here I am today. Yeah, unfortunately, what happened, you know, with uh, with, with your dog, Sydney, you know, unfortunately, we say a lot of the best com- uh, businesses are started based on personal frustration or personal experience. Yeah. Um, so maybe just touch on that so people really understand what PUP stands for now and, and the principles around it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was working for Accenture. I was in Chicago on a project. I had my, my dog, Sydney, uh, with me. And the, the project was ramping up just before Project N. I was supposed to go back to New York, actually. We were working about 16 hours a day, so I had to find some type of care for Sydney during the day because he was 172 pounds, St. Bernard. He needed to pee. At, at the very least, mm-hmm. I found this exercising service. Uh, they came, picked up the dog, brought him to a park, let him run around. He loved it. Uh, <clears throat> he went and attended that exercising service for a straight month. And then it started to get really hot. And I called up the service. I said, please don't take him out if it's over 80 degrees. He's a cold weather dog and the two just don't mix. July 30th, 1999 came around. They took him out. It was 113 degrees out that day. Um, two hours later, he was in the, in the hospital. And 13 hours later, he was gone. And that just devastated me. I ended up uh, just taking time off from my project, which as uh, you're familiar with consulting, when you do that, you know, kind of get rolled out, you know, because they replace right, you, right. especially at the pace that those things move. 
There's not enough. Per, there's not a lot of personal time off in the uh, in the management consulting uh, sector. At least back in the day, for sure. No, not at all, actually. And so I just was sitting on my couch, depressed. Um, and my girlfriend at the time came and said, "Hey, I, I, we got to get you out of the house and you know just get some air." And she took me for a run through Lincoln Park. And uh-huh. during the run, I would stop and and interact with every single dog that I saw, and I would get really, really emotional. And then I would run on with her and I would just be saying to myself, I can't let this happen to anyone again. I can't let this happen to anyone again. And that was, that was really the, the precipice of the, of the idea for uh, Pups Pet Club, or sorry, at that time, All for Doggies. That was my first platform. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it, so, so today, you know, principally what we do is, you know, we need to make sure that we're taking great care of dogs. Everything else is, is secondary. It's right there in our mission statement. It's, it's what drives me. It's what drives our people. We love dogs. We love what I do, what we do. Um, but taking care of the dogs comes first. And then if we do that, then we, we feel that everything else is going to fall into place. Got it. So, um, you know, I use this term a lot on several podcasts. I usually say, you know, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So you've been through several different, you know, uh, you know, startup ventures. Some, you know, have gone really well and you've gotten some exits. Some of them have, you know, resulted in some mergers where, you know, you say, hey, maybe I should have, could have, would have done this uh, or that. So, you know, where you see yourself today with five locations, with Pops in Chicago being the largest independent provider there, now going into Brooklyn, you know, talk about how the growth of the platform kind of evolved uh, from that from that run to where we are today and how you feel like you're ready now to go and move into, you know, a new cluster in uh, from Chicago to New York? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a big question. So I'm going to I'm going to try to answer that succinctly. You know, I, I sold the first platform in 2003 because I was 30 years old and I was yearning to get back to New York. I missed home. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to get back into the business, but in 2004, I got back into the business and started a company called Spot in New York and built that company to four locations in the city and two outside the city. And it it was a pretty significant platform and I drew the attention uh, of an investor. And unfortunately that partnership didn't turn out the way we had expected it to turn out. We really wanted to grow the platform. I was committed to grow the platform back then. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And that's, that happens sometimes. And you learn valuable lessons from that. So Pup's Pet Club was really, um, you know, the, the child of the second platform. I had to start over. Chicago was a natural uh, restart or reset point for me uh, because I knew the market well. And I, I love the city. It's an amazing city. And we started our first store in 2015, late 15, opened it uh, in 16 to the public and then grew it. Uh, The first store, I just kind of bootstrapped it. You know, I I had some money and then I, you know, I added a a couple investors, ended up buying out those investors, brought in some additional capital into the business and grew it to four stores just before the pandemic. The pandemic hits everything stops. I get an incredible opportunity because of the pandemic to actually buy back all the shares that I had sold to investors. And it put us in a great position. We ended up coming out of the pandemic 
even stronger, leaner, ready to expand. We opened our fifth store in, in 2021, January 21. And then I said to myself, strategically, what do we want to do? Well, we just don't want to be uh, a Chicago uh, company. We want to be a, a national brand. So where else can I go to, to prove the concept that I can scale outside of just a single geography? And so New York seemed like a natural place for me to do that. In January of, of 22, started uh, the search and found this incredible market and an incredible opportunity in, in Williamsburg. And now Williamsburg is really the relaunch of me personally mm-hmm. in, in pet care in, in New York. And of course, like the that. introduction of the Pups Pet Club brand. This brand itself, you know, being the third platform is, is the best, most evolved platform that I've started, operated and managed. And that's because I'm smarter, you know, not any more, you know, uh, intellectually intelligent because you only have a certain amount of IQ points. Um, but, but I'm more experienced than I was before. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a better manager and I understand exactly what it takes to, to build this business, um, quickly and, and do it, um, so that we don't compromise any value, uh, for, for our customers. We don't, uh, compromise the quality of care. And we certainly are focused on taking care of our people too, which is a big part of, uh, of our business. Yeah. So, so within pups, you've got, you know, all the slew of, uh, of services inside and outside the, uh, the, the pet club, whether it comes to training, grooming, uh, sitting, uh, some veterinarian services. When you take a look at, you know, and we say this in the book, you know, I'm going to take my five on five team, my top five, I'm going to play against your top five. You know, you take a look at the industry. When I kind of delve back in here with you, I kind of thought there would be a lot more larger independent multi-unit operators, similar to what we see in the, in the health club or the boutique studio space. So I was kind of shocked to see, Hey, why aren't there, you know, 10 or 20 corporate owned stores here, like a, like a soul cycle or a solid core, you know, if I kind of hearken that into industries that we work in regularly, you know, how hard is it to execute on this plan? How hard is it to get great people? And I noticed how you've put systems in place to kind of kind of wrap a nice bow around it, not just using some homegrown software or, you know, I've got this SaaS product off the shelf that I'm like yeah. trying to configure on my own. Um, so again, a larger question, but why aren't there large players out there? How hard is this to execute? It's difficult. It's not, it's not impossible, but it's difficult. You, you need to really know what you're doing. I always call it a, a ground up build. Uh, a few people have tried to execute investing a lot of money from the top down. And when you get uh, highly paid executives in from big firms to try to figure out how to establish a brand and build a brand in this industry, they end up failing miserably because they haven't done the jobs necessarily to understand what every person is doing along the way to to make sure that that operation hums on a daily basis. So I've done it all. You know, I've bathed dogs, I've transported dogs, I've walked dogs, I've watched dogs in daycare, I've uh, groomed dogs, right? I've trained dogs. There are not many CEOs who also have a a certification in animal behavior as well. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there's a lot of things that we that we do uh, that are that are different uh, than than most uh, pet care companies in our industry. 
And one of the things that we do really well is, is we focus on technology. You know, Accenture taught me people process technology, right? So we do focus a lot on our people. They get best in class uh, wages in the industry, benefits. We take care of them on, on every single level that we, that we possibly can. The process that we have for, for pups is, is, a, is a good one. It's uh, founded solidly on, on experience. And the technology is, is a tier, tier one uh, technology platform centered around Salesforce. Salesforce is at the center of our entire uh, sales uh, tech ecosystem or stack. Um, and you don't find that uh, really in, in our business. What you find is mostly uh, small independent players looking for industry-specific software like a ginger. And with that type mm-hmm. of platform, you're very limited at, to, to what you can do. Uh, in the end, what, what a lot of, in, let's call them industry people, people who love dogs, who get into it because they want to hang out with dogs all day long, they're focused on that instead of the business side of it. There isn't that, that you can create a nice balance. And what they haven't realized is that pet care is a retail play. And if you're going mm-hmm. to be a retailer, you don't need one store that's 10,000 square feet. You know, you need five that are 2,000 square feet because being a successful retailer means you have brand presence. And unfortunately, it's, it's not online in, the, in our business. You need to have stores. So I'd rather have five stores at 2,000 square feet than one store at 10,000 square feet. So what I'm saying is a lot of the, a lot of the people who are currently in the business look to have this huge, big box, you know, pet care center, you know, with a pool and, and, you know, all of the uh, amenities. And by the way, those are great. And they, they do, they do fill a need and serve a purpose. I'm all for them. That's not, that's not our, you know, that's not our platform and that's not our strategy for, for growth. I would, I would see this as a, you know, a major Metro uh, brand and, you know, the path to 200 plus stores is not a difficult one if you're just picking off every single city in, in just this country that, that can support 10 plus stores. And there are many of them. So, so you know, in the, uh, in the health club industry, uh, when people come in and they show us their, their financials and they show us their club by club, you know, I usually ask them, hey, which one is the prototype? And they're like, well, that's why I'm coming to you to get money to build the prototype. And it's like, well, you have to actually build the prototype. Show yeah. me that it works. And then we can go get capital to basically, you know, expand what you've done. And, and there, there's some special sauce in here. But I, you can't come to us now and think that, you know, on your, on your fifth location, uh, Mr. Health Club operator, that, that you haven't figured it out yet. So now you need money for the six. So, you know, as you kind of take a look back, similar to the health club and studio market, like you've got amazing locations in, in very, very dense areas in Chicago. And I would say location is, is one of your strong points. And it seems like that is going to be as, you know, you uh, relaunch Dan and Pups in New York area, that location is really going to be one of your, your strong points of picking those spots. So how do you kind of think about, you know, as you go in in 2000 square feet, how, how close could these be together? Like, is this a, Every 10 blocks, every two miles, you know, when you think about the density and the amount of dogs that are on now post-COVID. Sure. That's a great question. You're looking at about a three-quarter to one mile, you know, 
store to store um, geography in order to not cannibalize the the other stores. Now that that's on average, right? In New York, we, it might shrink a little bit, it might shrink to half a mile or even a quarter mile. Um, at, what you do when you go into every single market is you, is you look at the market demographics. You're looking at population. You're looking at income. You're looking at number of households, right? Those are your those are your three big ones. From there, you can derive the number of pets, right? And from there, you can derive the number of dogs. And if you can think you can acquire a certain uh, part of that market just by putting a store there and executing your plan and for marketing and 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 operations, then it makes total sense. Of course, you got to look at your competition, but if your product is better than your competition, what's great about this this particular market, this industry, is that people seek out the best when it comes to their dog. You know, they spend on dogs like they spend on their kids. Everything yeah. else is secondary to dogs and kids. And so if I, if I am looking at a, at a marketplace and I see a really weak competitor, then I either want to look at that, you know, make, making an acquisition play for that competitor or putting a store fairly close to them. Now, in the end, what's, what's interesting is that that competitor probably just, you know, created a little bit of market awareness. So the people that are currently frequenting that, those customers are going to look to either upgrade their product or stay exactly where, where they are. And so what, what we're betting on is, is the premium customer, the people who want to upgrade their product and want the best for their dog. Got it. So let, let's just take a tangent for a second here. Uh, as I was thinking about preparing for this, this discussion, I was like, if people treated themselves as well as they treat their dogs, we might not have obesity as much diabetes and loneliness in this country. So like, un, like unpeel this a little more about how people are maybe treating their dogs at, at a quantum leap better than they treat themselves. And they're willing to basically pay whatever it takes, um, you know, to make sure this dog is, is, uh, you know, well-trained, it's eating certified organic food. It is, you know, yeah. the 95th percentile, just like a child. So talk about that because there's a lot of people that say, Hey, I'm going to pay for whatever it takes, but you got to give me the value. And you're obviously providing, you know, like the Neiman Marcus or, you know, the soul cycle, cause I'm a soul cycle junkie, you know, of this sector. Yeah. Well, it, it, interesting fact that, uh, people with dogs experience lower levels of physical and mental, you know, uh, illness than people without dogs. What, what do dogs do? They get you out of the house, right? They, they get you on a walk, right? The physical exercise is good for not only the body, but good for the brain, right? And so the attachment to, to dogs and the need for care for that animal, like a child, creates also the mental, you know, image in, in your, to, to basically put forth your best effort to take care of, of that animal, right? So if, if, you're, if you're dependent on that, on that animal for companionship, right? For that family, a familial type feeling, you're going to do whatever it takes to, you know, to make sure that that animal is, is really well taken care of. And so you want the very, the very best for them, hands down. Mm -hmm. When you take a look at, you know, a, a pricing menu or talk about the memberships, because you, you know, you've purposely set this up with the word club in it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not a store, um, it's not a location, you know, I'm not selling, I'm not here to just kind of like sell you something. I'm, I'm here to create a relationship with you. And that relationship comes with certain principles 
and promises that I'm making to you. So how, how, how important is it for you to have memberships? Do you think that going forward, that recurring nature of it is important or is it just part of, you know, how the industry could or should work versus a health club where it's like mandatory you become a member? Yeah. I mean, listen, that you're calling our stores clubs is, is very intentional, right? Um, right? In fact, when when people refer them to stores, I'm like, oh, you know, they're not, it's not a store, it's a club. You know, mm-hmm. having, calling our customers members is also very intentional. You know, we create relationships with these people that are, that are very deep, right? When you, when you take care of someone's family member, they need to trust you. And we, we hold that trust in, in the highest regard. Like if you break that trust at any point with any service that you offer, you, you, you're going to sour that relationship just like you would, uh, you know, uh, a human relationship. Yeah. Trust is everything. So, you know, I, I don't want to call them labels cause they're not, they're not labels. It's really the, 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 the way we approach the relationships that we have with, with our customers. And we think it's more than just a, you know, customer business relationship. It's, it's a, it's a personal relationship, one in which they depend on us to, to do the right thing for them. And so yeah. every, every day, you know, one of our guiding principles is to make sure that we do the right thing. Now there is a business tie in as well, right? So Yes, it's altruistic in nature, but, you know, having memberships ties people into the club, right? It is a recurring revenue model. So you purchase a membership, you know, it gets renewed. You purchase a package, those also get renewed, right? We want to make sure that we have people in the club for life, really. We're not looking just for you to come, you know, once or twice and say goodbye and you're off to the next place. That's not the type of business that we are. And that's not what I think our, even our, our members are expecting. They're expecting mm-hmm. to, to establish a long-term relationship with someone because they need to rely on us for certain care needs, right? There might not be a place that they can put their dog, you know, when they go away for vacation. They might have a dog that is extremely uh, high energy. Maybe he's got separation anxiety and he can't be in the apartment because his neighbors are complaining all the time. And he needs to have daycare or training. You might have a dog with very high uh, grooming needs that needs a a groomer who understands how to care for that coat, for the teeth and for the skin. Right. Mm. And so because we're able to offer all services under one roof, it attaches and ingratiates the the customer, our members much more deeply than say a, a place that just does daycare or just does overnights, or just does grooming, right? So we've had enough experience to, to not only just offer these for the sake of offering them, we were top provi- We are the top provider for these services. And we'll continue to be because we're focused on quality of care. Yeah. So when you take a look at, at Chicago, you know, for, for, the, for the people here on the show notes, you know, you've got five locations, you're the largest independent operating in Chicago and, and now moving into Williamsburg and that'll be open uh, mid-December. I just want to go back to what you were saying because I think it's really important, you know, on the words matter and the type of team that you have and how you treat people uh, in the recruiting side. I just want to tell a quick story. I was in line at the gas station. Um, I was buying a protein bar actually the other day and there was a guy from Top Golf that was in front of me and he was wearing a jacket um, that he worked there. I thought he's like the, the head of the top golf across the street, like general manager. So I start talking to him 
And, um, and I say, Hey, did you, you know, you work over there? He's like, yeah, I opened up the place. So I'm thinking he's the general manager. Five minutes later, he tells me he was, he works on the culinary team, but they've, they've kind of conditioned him to know like, Hey, I'm an important employee. Like I don't work in the, I'm not a chef. I don't work in the kitchen. I'm part of the culinary team. And, and he made me think that he opened up the location and he made himself think that he did too, which was awesome. So when you take a look at like Pups Pet Care Academy and like bringing in the best people and then training them, taking the money to do that. Now you've got really awesome long-term employees. Talk about, you know, the second part of the, of the, the, the process, the, the technology and the people, how you said, Hey, I'm, I'm all in on talent. Yeah, we definitely are. Um, listen, it, it just, it doesn't stop at like creating best in class benefits and wages in the, in the industry. You've got to make sure that your people have a career path. And we have two academies that are internal, um, to develop a career for people who, who might not be on a management track. We call them trade academies. There's a training academy, so you can learn how to be a dog trainer, and a grooming academy, learn how to be a dog groomer. And both of those careers are lucrative careers. You don't need a college education to do either, and you can be very successful. So we, we have an opportunity to move a dog daycare attendant, which has a, you know, a top earning potential, right? We can't pay our, our unfortunately, we can't pay our dog daycare attendants, or we pay our GMs or what we pay our groomers, right? Sure. There's only, there's only so much room there, but by offering them a career path and a movement into one of these academies and eventually, you know, a career in, in either grooming or training, you really get that employee to stick. They're committed to you because they realize that you're also doing what's in their best interest. You're looking out for them, not only from a career perspective, professional perspective, but also from a financial one as well. Mm -hmm. You know? And so Taking care of our people from top to bottom is, is super important. You know, the, the Christina's or the, you know, the um, uh, Patty's, th those people that, that I just mentioned, they've been with me for a very long time. You know, Christina is a, is a dog daycare attendant. I need to be as concerned about her as I am about our director of operations as a leader. Patty mm -hmm. is one of our gen general managers. She started out as a dog daycare attendant. And we recognized the talent and, and saw that she had a trajectory. She had leadership skills and all we needed to do was coach her and mentor her towards, you know, assuming a, a leadership role. And now she's one of the most tenured people that we have and one of the best general managers. Um, That's awesome. so you, you got to invest in your people. If you're not, it's not just money. It's knowing it's, it's identifying the talent you know, and making that part of your, your culture, right. With your, especially with your managers saying, okay, Hey, go out and find the next manager. Right. And let's get those, let's elevate those people and make sure that they stay within the pups family. Because as we know, it's, it's, it's a great business decision, right? Because every single new employee that we bring on is going to cost us about $7,500 plus just to bring sure. on a new person. I'd rather, you know, make sure that the Christina's and the Patty's are, are taken care of. And by the way, I love that story. Um, I, I think you will find that like taking a sense of ownership with pups is, is there from, from top to bottom. Um, you can talk to anyone on our, on our team and they love, they love what they do. They believe in what we do. And, you know, they come to work every single day, not just because it's a job and, 
or, or just because they love dogs. It's because they love the brand. They love the people that they work with. And they know that someone's, you know, someone cares. It's not just about, you know, it's not just about the dollars and cents. It's about, it's about people too. So um, in closing here, let, let's talk about two things. One, the, the desire for corporations to get their employees to actually physically come back into the office and potentially leave their pet now alone. How is the, how have the dynamics of this kind of played out in Chicago and what do you expect to happen uh, in New York as a lot of the banks and or ex, ex-employers, you know, say, hey, look, I love that you work at home and I love Zoom, but like I'm paying you a New York salary. You got to come in to earn it. Yeah, I mean, COVID, COVID was difficult for us, right? Like we had to retool our entire business. We had to get lean in certain areas and we came out a lot, a lot stronger after, after COVID. You know, I, I think because we're, we offer a diverse uh, set of services, we can appeal to a broad, a broader uh, customer base, right? We're, we're not just doggy daycare. We can offer training as well. We're not just an overnight place. We can offer grooming, right? The effect of the, the stay-at-home workplace uh, or remote workplace uh, was great for the dog grooming and training business, right? Because now people wanted to have, you know, their dogs groomed because they want them smelling great as they're, you know, sitting right next to them during the Zoom call. And they wanted them to behave well because they couldn't have the dog barking and disrupting the Zoom call. And now that the, you know, and also the other great thing about COVID for our business was that everyone went out and got a dog, right? Mm -hmm. We touched upon, you know, why people needed a dog. It was companionship and family. Well, during COVID, no one felt more isolated. So they had to go out and find that family member, no better than a four-legged family member. Right, right. Much easier interviewing process, right? Much easier interviewing process, exactly. (laughs) Um, Zoom wasn't, I don't know how, you know, I wasn't Zoom dating. So, (laughs) so, uh, I, you know, I heard that probably didn't go as well as people would have liked it to have gone. Um, so yeah, you know, now that offices are starting to, you know, require people to come back, that concern is going to be there still and it's going to shift right now. It's like, okay, what am I doing? You know, uh, I'm going to work and what am I doing with my dog all day long? You know, and, and I feel, I feel sorry for him. It's more traditional like, in our industry. That's traditionally how how uh, daycare became uh, uh, such high demand. People started, you know, there was that paradigm shift. People started thinking of their dogs more as family members. And they said, oh, my God, my dog is home all day alone and bored. And by the way, they were very right. Right. Yeah. Dogs, are social, dogs are social. Dogs are social. They need to interact just like just like you and me. Sure, so, sure. So dog daycare it serves that purpose. Is there any, um, I'm sure this is going to happen, but maybe it hasn't happened yet. As part of an employee benefit, like I get my health club membership, I get a certain amount of days off, I get, you know, um, you know, dental. Is there going to be the next frontier? Like, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cover the cost of your, of your pet care on large corporations. Is that going to happen yet? Or how, how many years is it going to take for that to happen? Oh, man, I sure hope so. <laughs> you and I can go out and campaign for that one. How about it? Um, you know, I think, I mean, it's, it's coming, you know, I, I do see it like people, if you, if you look at my building here in, in Greenpoint, everyone in this building has a dog, everyone has to care for them. Right. And, you know, you've got to figure out a way to do it. And so I don't think it's a stretch to think that millennials or Gen Zers are going to say, Hey, 
Mr. and Mrs. Employer, you know, I know you want me back, but hey, could you could you help out with the dog? Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 an important part of their lives, and I don't think it's also a stretch for employers to say, okay, you know what? It's just like any other benefit that I would give to this person. So if yeah. they want if they want a, a benefit for their dog, sure, you know why not? I can just carve that out in my benefits package. I have my budget. Why not for the dog as well? All right, we'll we'll get on that after we go from five to fifteen locations. We'll start <laughs> to implement the the employee uh, corporate benefit act for pets. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now until then, in closing here, um, you know, look, you, you want to find the right partner. You want to grow, you know, pretty quickly. Uh, I think you've proven out, obviously, the platform and the prototype. So maybe just talk about a couple of the, you know, do you want somebody that has pet care experience? Do you want somebody that has multi-unit growth experience in, in other industries? You know, maybe just kind of tie this up with, um, you know, the ideal partner looks like. Yeah. I think both those things would be great, um, you know. But let, let's face it, you know, it, it's a, it's still a young industry, right? And to find a partner like that would probably be fi- like finding a needle in a haystack. But right. if they're around, please, please, uh, you know, give Pete a call um, because we definitely want to talk to you. I, the ideal partner is is, uh, is someone that that you know is wants to collaborate, you know, wants to work together with the you know, operator, entrepreneur, and me and our team um, to help grow the business. Uh, you know, we've got a great uh, execution plan and we know, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work. But, you know, one thing that I've learned in my, in my career is that, uh, you know, I, I know next to nothing really um, that even as much as I know in, in pet care, I'm still learning on, on a day by day basis. And I'm sure there's a, a lot I can learn from one of these great financial partners. They've, you know, anyone with tremendous business experience, anyone who is used to scaling businesses, um, anyone who uh, has worked before in retail, specifically in the, in the halo uh, sector. You know, if, right. if you worked uh, to scale up uh, uh, an Orange Theory or a Soul Cycle, which you love, Pete, then mm-hmm. you would be a perfect partner for, for us because we're a similar brand. We're just in pet care, not health and fitness. Definitely a lot of um, you know analogies to how the business works, how to focus on on the people, building a brand that doesn't require additional advertising or marketing. So, you know, we love what you're doing. Um, we're excited to be working with you, and uh, we'll we'll get this podcast out. We're gonna start the cap raise uh, right when the podcast hits, and uh, and then we'll do another podcast uh, in six months to tell people where we're at, yeah, uh, and make sure we do the grand reopening, relaunch of. Uh, of Dan Rubenstein back in New York City, in Greenpoint, Williamsburg, and locations near you. 